this lack of connection between the two things two things which is gold price and junior mining company stock prices is in my view an extremely good opportunity greetings and welcome back to mining stock education i am your host bill powers Feel free to engage the show with me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. You can always find the updated press releases on our website at miningstockeducation.com. For those of you like myself that follow closely the junior gold and junior mining sector. Also, if you've been listening on YouTube or iTunes, please remember to subscribe if you haven't done so. And if this has been show has been of benefit to you, I'd appreciate you rating and reviewing on iTunes and the other podcast apps as well. Well, I'm joined by uh, joined with my friend today, Giant Bandari. He is a professional resource investor, and he also is a consultant to institutions that want to successfully invest in the resource sector. Giant, welcome back to Mining Stock Education. And I thought we might be able to kick it off uh, because I haven't talked to you specifically about what you do as an institutional advisor. Can you share with listeners what does that role entail for you? Uh, thanks for having me, Bill. Uh, Bill, I advise uh, about three or four institutional in investors, and uh, what I help them with is uh, in terms of uh, helping them invest in junior mining companies. So I might take a company to them, or they might want me to analyze uh, a certain company that they have in their portfolio, or they might want me to look at their whole portfolio and want me to clean it up for them. When you're discussing uh, in your or your conversations with these institutions, since June as gold has been rising, has the questions that they've asked you changed? Well, a lot of these people still don't have money. Uh, and uh, institutions, uh, despite the fact that gold price has gone up, um, junior mining company prices haven't really risen much. In fact, a lot of them have fallen. Uh, and the problem is that investors are not really investing money in these junior mining companies and are not really giving money to institutional investors either. Okay, so then the institutions are still trying to solicit capital in order to invest in the juniors. Uh, that might be true. I think uh, a lot of them are probably keen on investing in bigger companies. I don't like it because I find bigger companies too expensive, but that is where uh, a lot of people think the value is. You go to numerous conferences uh, throughout the year. What would you say, about 15 or so mining conferences you attend in a year? Uh, I attend uh, quite a few conferences, easily 10 or 15 conferences, yes. So since September, I, I, we briefly chatted at Beaver Creek. What has been some things that you've noticed regarding sentiment in the last few months in the junior mining sector? Uh, what I see is uh, exactly what I have just said. Uh, there is a negative sentiment about junior gold mining companies, despite the fact that gold price has been very strong over the last few months. Uh, and this uh, this lack of connection between the two things, two things which is gold price and junior mining company stock prices is in my view an extremely good opportunity. But what happens with most investors is that they like to invest when the prices are going up. I like to invest when the prices are going down or have fallen a lot. So what are some of your um, biggest wins this year, if you'd be willing to share? Two very big wins for me have been Novo Resources and Irving Resources. Uh, and these two companies uh, in the last two or three years have made me between 10 to 20 times my original investment. 
um, and they have been clearly by far the best decisions I have taken in my investment life. And have you uh, realized any of the wins from Novo? Because it is, I think it was at 60 cents and even ran to $6 or thereabouts. Yes. And I set, sold it all the way up to $8 and I sold it all the way down to uh, $3 or something. Uh, but I still own uh, both the companies. I, st- I still own a bit of Novo and I still own a lot of Irving Resources. As an analyst, when you look at Novo Resources um, with Nuggety Gold and the issues, the unconventional issues that they have there, how can you objectively analyze what would determine success for a company like that? So for me, the reason to invest in Novo is mostly because of the management. I have known Quinton Henney for the last seven or eight years, and I have a huge amount of respect for him. So my reason for investing in Novo is mostly to do with the quality of management. Okay, so you're, you're betting on the jockey on this one. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. That is the only way you can understand invest in Novo. Also because Novo is not a conventional junior mining companies. It has a very unique, a very different kind of deposit. And in hands of any other person, I would not have trusted uh, that company. When you survey the junior mining landscape, uh, you're always looking for arbitrage opportunities. Are there any that you can share with us right now? There are not many arbitrage opportunities right now, Bill, but there's one that is something that people might want to pay attention to. It's a company called Core Gold. The ticker is CGLD, and there's a hostile takeover offer for this company, which is which the company that is that has made a hostile takeover offer has made an offer that is about 90% higher than the current share price of Core Gold, which is around 22 cents Canadian. So that is really an interesting uh, company. Uh, and it seems that the company is negotiating with a bunch of other people as well. So in my view, there's a very limited downside risk in owning Core Gold, and there could be a very nice upside in owning it. When it comes to jurisdictions, Giant, we've seen unrest in Ecuador in the last couple of weeks. What are jurisdictions that you th- think might be overlooked by Western investors that uh, perhaps could be up-and-coming jurisdictions? Uh, In my view, most good jurisdictions are something that people already pay attention to. And those good jurisdictions are all in Western countries and in East Asia. Uh, I don't like countries like Ecuador. And the only reason I have invested in core gold is because of the arbitrage opportunity that I have. Uh, You have to be very careful about these countries like Ecuador or Bolivia. There are so many countries that are actually kind of places that you should never put your money in. With your approach, obviously, when you're trying to capitalize on an arbitrage opportunity, that is going to be more of a short-term trade uh, primarily. But do you ever do short-term trading outside of arbitrage opportunities? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I'm here to make money. Whatever makes me, gives me an opportunity to make money is what I'm interested in. In fact, I'm usually interested in an opportunity that can make me money quickly because the upside has a tendency to get frittered away with time. 
I am not here to invest in something for the next three or four years. I'm here to invest in something that people haven't looked at, something that offers me a good upside, something that can get actualized sooner rather than later. Jane, if I could play the antagonist to um, some things I've heard you say over the last year, you have stressed in some of your lectures at mining conferences that don't just bet on a higher future commodity price and don't only get fixated on focusing on if you can time the market bottom. But could the opposite argument be that if you're saying those things, aren't those statements kind of anti-contrarian in and of themselves? Because as a contrarian, we want to buy before the herd gets in. And, and a lot of being successful in resource investing is timing related. Absolutely. And if that is that should be based on the value of the project. So you should be able to put a value on a project and the value should be much higher than what you can buy that project for today. Now, that does not mean you should be speculating in commodities. Speculating in commodities simply does not work. I have been in this industry for the last 15 years, Bill, and I have never ever seen speculating in commodities working out for investors. I have seen bull um, Bullish expectations from zinc, REEs, graphite, uranium, oil, gas. You know, you might have, you might remember 10 years back, everyone was talking about peak oil and oil has fallen by 50 or 60 or 70 percent since then. And I have similarly seen bullish expectation of uh, every single commodity, molybdenum, cobalt, and everything has actually become cheaper so my suggestion is never to invest in these mining companies on the basis of your expectations on what might happen to the commodities. Just do valuation on these commodities, sorry, valuation on these mining companies based on the spot price of these commodities or actually use lower than the spot price because if at all you can bet on, it is on these commodity prices to fall, not on them going up in the future. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Orn Resources is a junior exploration company with the appetite of a major, focused on finding the next globally significant discovery to create enormous potential upside for shareholders. It's one of the most aggressive exploration companies pursuing high-grade, scalable gold and copper deposits and has a premier seven-project portfolio including its two flagships, Committee Bay in the Arctic and Sombrero in Peru. With Orin's unparalleled technical team and highly experienced management with a history of success in advancing and monetizing exploration assets, Orin has been called one of the best in the junior exploration sector. Orin trades on the TSX and NYSE under the ticker AUG. To learn more, go to orinresources.com. That's A-U-R-Y-N resources.com. So you are bullish on gold, but are you saying when you invest in a junior gold company that your bullishness on gold does not at all influence whether you're going to invest in a particular company? Uh, absolutely. And gold, of course, is not a commodity. It's a precious metals, precious metal, and it has a different dynamics. And yes, I would invest in gold as a precious metal because I want to ensure my future. But when I invest in a gold mining company, I'm not investing in gold. I'm investing in a mining company and I use the spot price of gold 
to put a value on that company. Now, of course, Bill, if gold price has gone up by 10 or 15% in the last few months and these companies haven't really gone up, despite the fact that the cost of making gold hasn't really changed much because price of oil hasn't changed or price of other commodities that go into making gold in the mine hasn't changed, this means that my profit differential has increased. So again, I'm still valuing those companies based on the spot price of gold. And spot price has increased in the last two or three months, but equity prices haven't gone up, which means that my profitability, my upside has actually increased. What What did you do with the, the junior gold um, companies, uh, Giant, from 2012 until 2015 as gold fell? Uh, based on this, how you approach investing in these companies, did you invest and then gold just kept dropping or was there a point where you said you know what gold seems to be in a sustained downtrend and i'm going to avoid gold juniors right now uh, i did not do that uh, bill and in 2011 i thought i was a genius i had done very well uh, and i was uh, i in retrospect extremely stupid and arrogant and I invested in companies that lost me maybe 80 to 90 percent of my net worth over the next three or four years. Um, I have learned my lessons since then and I don't invest in low uh, companies that look like leverage plays. I do not invest in commodity speculations as a result of that and what I again say I just, I don't care about whether gold is going down because I just use what gold price is today. I cannot predict the gold price of tomorrow. And because it, if it has fallen for the next last two years, it does not mean it will continue to fall for the next two years either. So I simply use the spot price and that works very well for me. If I could... Um take this conversation and compare it to like a blue chip company, let's say Ford or GM or GE or Apple. Now these companies, they're profitable if they can sell their product at a profit. Uh, both you and I know that the gold miners, if the, if the price is going below the cost of production, then they're not making money and they're just barely trying to tread water. I mean, would you invest in Apple without doing an analysis of what Apple would be able to sell their product for? Wouldn't that be like a core aspect of how you would analyze a potential investment opportunity? Uh, absolutely. I want my company to make a profit for me. If it it's not making profit at the current price of Apple, I'm not in going to invest in that company. So correlating that back to gold producers, how can we invest in a gold producer because it is so timing sensitive without coming to at least some conclusion, even if it's a, just a general conclusion of where the gold price is headed? Well, there are a lot of gold um, mining, gold development stage companies that actually trade for a huge discount to their value using the spot price. And one of the companies that I made a lot of money in, uh, Bill, is a company called Nefson Resources. I went to visit that company. I followed that company for many, many years. And uh, again, uh, market somehow loses interest in some of these companies, and they start trading for a huge discount to their value. And value, I'm saying, is based on the spot price of these commodities. And 
if they can make money for me, if they can generate a return of 10 or 20% for me at the current share price, I am extremely happy making 10 to 20% return on my investment. Giant, you were formerly the director of on the board of Gold Canyon until its merger with another entity. Uh, when it comes to the role of a director on a junior miner, uh, how do you view that? What do you think the role is of a director? Well, this is someone who uh, who is supposed to be responsible for the shareholders, uh, particularly an independent director. And his job is to make sure that uh, the interests of uh, shareholders is protected. And how do you view compensation? How should a director, uh, generally speaking, when you're analyzing a, a company now, what would be appropriate directorship compensation? So uh, I almost always vote against giving options to directors. I want them, the independent directors, to earn no more than $1,000 a month, maybe less. And the lesser it is, the more happy I am. The CEO needs to be paid uh, maybe just enough money to be uh, able to live on it. Uh, and I want to give him options so that his interests are aligned with my interests. So because these are junior mining companies, I don't like paying them a lot of money. I don't like it when they spend too much money on lifestyle. Uh, I very closely look at their profit and loss account. I very closely look at the contracts they have with the companies, the options they have, because options is pretty much free money to these directors. And I have to say I made uh, did well with those options, but those options have to be uh, short-term options. I don't like companies who give you 10-year-old option, 10-year-long options. When I was in Gold Canyon, I convinced our board to make the options valid only for the next three years. Okay, so short-term options are how you would like to see compensation. Absolutely, because 10-year options basically means that you are giving away shares free of cost, particularly if you discount the prices of those options by inflation. They just becomes free of cost shares to the management. And I believe I recall from a past conversation we've had is that you, one of your pet peeves is when management teams reprice the options that they've already granted to themselves. That is extremely spineless, uh, Bill. Uh, when shareholders take all the risks, why should the management not take the same risk? If the, op if the share prices fell, after they gave themselves options, they should have the spine to sit on those options or lose them rather than reprice them. It's an extremely spineless thing to do. And the moment I see that happening, I actually don't like to invest in those management. And do you think that part of that is you just don't have an independent board, that there's too much overlap or conflict of interest between the board and the management? Well, they are too self-centered. Uh, this is where, uh, you know, off before we st you started recording, we were talking about virtues. There is a sense of responsibility. You don't work in a company just to make money. You also work in that company. You primarily have a contract with your shareholders and a contract with your clients, and you have to honor that contract. 
And for independent director, it's extremely important that they look after the interests of shareholders. And the moment they start giving them themselves too many options or very high salaries, it pretty much means that they are not working in the interests of shareholders. Jain, as we conclude and we're peering down the last two months of 2019, uh, what's your commentary and observations of what you expect in the final two months of this year in the junior gold sector? I am, uh, Bill, extremely excited for what is to come. Gold price has done very well. Many of these junior mining companies have fallen exactly while gold price was going up. And that is really a huge opportunity for those people who don't want to be a part of herd and actually make money from investing in these companies. When these companies are going up, I will be a seller, not a buyer. You've been listening to Giant Bandari. His website is giantbandari.com. And at the website, there's also a link. You can download his free ebook, High Risk, High Reward, Disciplined Junior Mining Investing by Giant Bandari. Giant, as always, I appreciate you. Uh, you're a great friend. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Bill. Otis Gold Corp. is a gold development and exploration company with quality projects in the pro-mining state of Idaho. Otis's flagship Kilgore project has a resource of 961,000 gold ounces, and its recently published preliminary economic assessment demonstrated an impressive post-tax IRR of 53% at $1,500 gold. In addition to the significant expansion potential at Kilgore, Otis is exploring its highly prospective Oakley project. This Carlin-type gold deposit already has an inferred resource in previous near-surface drilling inter at 123 meters of 0.69 grams per ton gold. Otis Gold Corp trades in New York under the ticker OGLDF and in Toronto under the ticker OOO, that's triple O. To learn more, go to otisgold.com. That's otisgold.com. Thank you for listening to this Mining Stock Education Podcast. Please subscribe and share with like-minded investors. Visit us on the web at miningstockeducation.com for more resources on precious metals and natural resource investing. At our website, you can also sign up for our free newsletter for interview transcripts, stock picks, and more. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.